What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Right now on Fast, Netflix killed the stock dropping sharply after hours. This despite a jump in subscribers as a password sharing crackdown picks up steam. We'll go inside the numbers. Plus, Tesla posting record quarterly revenues, even though margins dropped nearly 10%. Shares stuck in neutral right now. The instant analysis straight ahead. And later, AI coming to Apple. Shares spiking on reports they are working on their own version of ChatGPT. Should investors worry when a single headline can send a stock to new record highs? And a Carvana comeback. The used car company pulling off a major debt deal on the back of its monster stock rebound. Is this a rebound for real or just a fresh coat of paint on an old jalopy? I'm Melissa Lee. This is Fast Money. We're live from the Nasdaq market site on the desk tonight. Courtney Garcia, Karen Feinerman, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. We start off with Netflix shares under pressure, the streaming service, missing revenue estimates, giving sales guidance for Q3 that was lower than expected. Julia Borson is here with all the details. Julia. Yeah, we see Netflix shares down over 4% in after hours trading. The company's revenue miss comes despite it's adding about triple the number of new subscribers as expected, about 6 million. The company also guiding to higher than expected subscriber additions in the same range going forward, mainly thanks to its rollout of paid sharing. Now, all of this comes despite the trend of lower than expected revenue per user, which is on track to continue. The company does seem bullish, though, on new initiatives, writing, quote, we expect that our revenue growth will accelerate more substantially in Q4 23 as we further monetize account sharing between households and steadily grow our advertising revenue. The company noting the work ahead on the ad business is significant, but they say they're confident that over time they can develop a multi-billion dollar incremental revenue stream from ads. Now, the strike was only mentioned once as Netflix updated its 2023 free cash flow estimate from at least $3.5 billion to $5 billion for the year, reflecting lower cash content spend due to the WGA and SAG after strikes. Now, Netflix co-CEOs Ted Sarandos and Greg Peters are sure to face some questions on this topic of the strike and how well positioned they are to ride it out. Melissa? Julia, we've been focusing on, on how well-positioned Netflix is because of the strike, because of their you know, production overseas, because of their bank of content already. But how will they be impacted if they have to pay more in terms of you know, royalties to these actors uh, you know, as a result of this? Well, that all depends on how the negotiations turn out. I think there is some assumption that they will have to spend some amount more. The question is whether it's, um, you know, it's dramatically more or not when it comes to the kind of increases that the actors and writers are looking for. To a certain extent, it's increases along with inflation. There, there's things like that. But then for the streaming business, there is an assumption that they do that, that both of these guilds do want higher compensation. So I think it all depends on where it nets out. But that's a separate question from how long the strike lasts. I think if it only lasts a couple of months or, or a shorter period of time, the impact will be less significant. Once it starts to last potentially into early next year, if it lasts that long, then it could really impact Netflix's ability to grow subscribers or even retain subscribers in the key U.S. market, which is where its uh, subscribers are most valuable. All right. Julia, thank you. Julia Borson, and a reminder, 6 p.m. is when Netflix holds its uh, investor presentation, if you can call it that. Dan, what would you make of this quarter? 
It's fine. I mean, the, the subscriber number is really good, right? So they're expecting two, two million that came in at six and operating margins were better than expected. I think all those issues that you're talking about here, you know, with the strike, we just won't know for a while. But when you talk about what they're saying about uh, revenue growth reaccelerating next year, I mean, the street has 13 percent year over year growth with 29 percent, um, you know, expected earnings growth. The stock trades about 30 times. We've been saying this. I know Karen bought it in the hole. That's what they say back in the day late last year because it had never been this cheap and you thought they'd get some stuff. Um, right. Well, they seem to have gotten the stuff right on the subscribers front. The content stuff is going to continue to be a bit of a headwind. And, and the truth is, when you look at that expected earnings growth, I think a lot of analysts are expecting the capturing, the, the, the sharing of passwords, whether it be through an ad supported tier or not, is going to be good for earnings. Now, the interesting thing, I'll just say this, out of the nearly 60 analysts that cover the stock on Wall Street, only half of them have a buy rating on that, which is really interesting to me. And the fact that the stock is only down 4% on that guidance and that miss leads me to believe that people, at least investors, are positive predisposed to this yeah. name right here. I don't think you have to buy it here, but I, you know, it, it, it wasn't a disaster by any means, especially for a stock that's up 60% of the year, up 200% from its lows. Right. right. That to me is the most relevant thing going into this earnings. That bar was set so high mm-hmm. and on many metrics, they met it. How, uh, the subscriber, as you said, was great. However, if you look at the geographies, each, uh, each one was down a little bit on revenue per subscriber. So that, that's where that miss comes from. I mean, there's a lot to like about this, except for how expensive it has gotten. And, you know, I've, I've been wrestling with this one so much because they're doing everything right, but it is far from cheap. I just feel like they couldn't have put up a number that would have supported this, this run. You know, that it was just too, you know, it was, it was less than 300 four months ago. I mean, they had a yeah. run and then they had another run yes. on the back of the strike because people believe that it was so well positioned. Exactly. Yeah. And I, that's like what I was going to say is the bar was just set far too high on this. And that's exactly what you're seeing right now is they had uh, what, almost six million, six million new subscribers, which is absolutely fantastic. But if that's really not translating into the kind of revenue that the street is expecting, which is what's happening, it's going to price lower. And I think this is one of the companies that has just really ridden up this ride this year with the ri- people going back toward risk assets. Um, but it just can't be justified to a certain extent. And it's already been priced in what's happening with your ad supported tiers and with the cracked on subscribers. Um, so, I, you know, I think at a certain point in time, you just have to take a step back. Um, a guy, Dan had referenced the fact that he would have thought the stock would be lower uh, on the back of, of what they guided to. So that would be bad news, good price action. Do you agree? And if that's the case, do, does that bolster a bullish view of Netflix? Yeah, it's, I'm trying to wrap my head around. I, obviously, the revenue miss, which is slight, is concerning. And they're obviously saying it's a back half of the year story, which will make up ground, which I get. Here's the question, though. You know, if this had, if you had, if they reported this quarter with the stock trading, you know, seventy-five to hundred dollars lower, what would the price action have been? So we're looking at through the lens of what the stock is doing, which I totally understand. Let's just take a step back. Stock's up one hundred and sixty percent ish in the course of a year. It was a hundred and eighty dollars stock or so this time last year. We almost, and this is what I was hoping for, filled that gap that we had from January of twenty twenty-two. You can go back and look that that ridiculous move to the downside. So that gap fill is in place. Now people will say, all right, they'll start to look at valuation given the run. And at 30 now, two times or so-ish, I think it's sort of self-first, ask questions later. But I think Dan's point is spot on. This was a fine quarter. And if you believe him in the back half, it's still Netflix world we're all living in it. But you've seen this stock, you know, have huge moves to the upside and now back to the downside. The question is, what's your re-entry point? And I'm trying to look for the chart, but 
quite frankly, it's somewhere I think just eyeballing it between 410 and 415. All right, let's get a reaction now from Fast Money friend Gene Munster of Deepwater. Uh, Gene, nice to see you. Uh, your take here. What's your number one question about this quarter? I think Guy just said taking a step back. I'll take a step forward here and think about the dynamic in the month of October and the month of May of next year is Netflix, everything is working with the password crackdown and the ad model. We saw it in this surge in the number of subs. That's impressive. But when I think about going forward, we're gonna start to anniversary that. That was October of last year. They started the ad model and in May of this year, the password crackdown. This is what has been powering the business. And we look at the guidance and that was muted a percent below. This is a growth story that they've been pulling every lever. They're not gonna be able to pull the lever to the same degree in 2024 as they are doing that today. And investors should be aware of that. There's another uh, vector to Netflix's business that's gonna emerge over the next two to five years. A year ago, Netflix first mentioned TikTok as being negative to some of their engagement. That's the creator economy. I think we're just in the cusp of this. I think traditional uh, content uh, companies are going to have to navigate and embrace what is a more fractionalized, targeted, creator type of content economy. And I think Netflix needs to address that. So my view is this quarter is great, uh, but I think if you uh, fast forward a year from now and five years from now, I think it's gonna be a bigger headwind for Netflix. Gene, it's Karen, thanks for being on. Do you think that phenomenon you just talked about, the creator economy, how does that uh, pair up with the sort of distress that so many other streamers are under right now and how they may consolidate and you'll see less competition to Netflix from that phenomenon? The cost of creator economy is almost nothing. If you look at what production costs were 10, 20 uh, years ago, five years ago, they were much higher. And so the creator economy has had some difficulties, but there's been some, I think, just a surge in the amount of, I think overall it's going uh, well for them. I think that the tools that some of these platforms like uh, Threads, for example, uh, Twitter uh, just announced ways that the creator economy can make money on Twitter, I think they will improve. So. I'm a believer that uh, with almost no cost, people can create their own content. That was the that was the moat around content historically is the con the creation cost. But I think that uh, yes, there are ebbs and flows to it, Karen. But I think that the trajectory around creator economy, it's just going to be one of those topics that seems obvious, and we're going to be talking a lot more about it in the years to come. Gene, are you talking about this? You know, in terms of competition, just being time spent away from Netflix? Because they've talked about time spent away from Netflix for a variety of reasons, gaming, um, you know, whatever it is. They've, they've cited that in their conference calls in the past. So is it that or is it truly that people will choose to watch this free content on whatever platform versus content that Netflix has to pay for? Well, I want to emphasize I'm, I'm an old man. I'm 52 years old and uh, this type of content uh, is less appealing to me, this hyper-focused content. But what I'm uh, saying, Melissa, gaming is another vector that Netflix has talked about. I'm saying there's a whole other category of content that is uh, TikTok times 100 mm -hmm. in terms of uh, these, these. And I think it's going to steal share away, attention away from uh, how Netflix is going to be selling uh, their subscribers. All right, Gene, thanks. We'll see you in just a bit for Tesla. Let's get to Tesla in the meantime. Earnings, uh, the EV maker posting record quarterly revenues, beating on the top and the bottom lines, but shares are stuck in neutral here in the after-hour session. Phil Lebeau joins us from Dallas to take us inside the numbers. Phil. 
Melissa, much better than expected numbers. It's not reflected in what you're seeing with Tesla shares after hours in terms of how they're trading. But the numbers were better than many people were expecting. When you look at the earnings uh, in terms of profit as well as the revenue, 91 cents a share was the earnings for the second quarter. Street was expecting 82 cents a share. Revenue better than expected at $24.93 billion. But the big question was, what would be the margin squeeze in the second quarter? Remember, they've been coming down the gross auto margins steadily over the last year, year and a half. And as you see, they came in at 18.2%. Why is that significant? The street consensus was 16.9%. The whisper that a lot of people said, well, look, if it's around 17.5, that's what we would be expecting. 18.2%, better than expected. And then there's the question of whether or not they would raise their guidance in terms of full-year deliveries. Remember, their guidance has been to deliver 1.8 million vehicles this year. They're about halfway there through the first two quarters of this year. They reiterated that guidance of 1.8 million, even though the street right now is at 1.84, and a a lot of people expect them to raise their guidance down the road. They're not doing it at this point. As you take a look at shares of Tesla this year, heck of a run this stock has had, especially over the last three months. Remember that the conference call with Elon Musk starts in about 15 minutes, and you can bet there will be a number of questions, not just about the price cuts and the competition that's out there, but I bet, Melissa, there's going to be more than a few questions about AI. Gee, I wonder what he's going to say. Yeah, and full self-driving. Phil, thanks. Philip um, it, it almost feels right now, guy with the stock doing what it's doing, which is basically nothing in the after-hour session, that it's sort of a hold-your-breath moment to see what, how they are going to talk about um, automotive margins, X credits for the back half of the year, because that's what the stock is. The stock is counting on a pickup, um, some sort of troughing uh, into the back half of the year. Yeah, and that's what Gene talked about last night, I believe, and that's what I'm sure he'll talk about again. And good for Tesla, by the way. You know, they cut prices, but they were able to make up for those price cuts vis-a-vis this margin number by the fact that they've become a more efficient company vis-a-vis their gigafactories, uh, their supply chains, all the different things. You know what? you got to give them credit without question because, as a lot of people thought, sub-17, it was coming in. It did not. Now the question is, and Gene can answer this, is this the trough margin? Are they going to start to sort of build on so economic, you know, economies of scale type of thing, and it does a trough here and continue to go back the other way. I don't know the answer to that, and I think that speaks to exactly what you're talking about in terms of the price action. Clearly, the market is sort of struggling with that right now as well. It's funny. You know, Guy just said you got to give him credit. Um, I mean, I think investors are giving him credit. Since, since the stock gapped down 10% when they reported Q1 in late April, the stock has rallied 100%. Okay, like think about that. Think about that in market cap terms. It's a $925 billion market cap company. And as far as I'm concerned, if the headline that some of you guys are reading is like it was a much better quarter because they beat by 10 cents, I mean, if you think about how many times they've had to cut prices just to get to where they are as far as deliveries, and if you think about, you you know, wait times have gone down. Backlog has gone down. You know, I mean, like some of these things with the margins, I don't think the consensus was 16.9. I think it was higher um, for gross margins, X credits. Um, I know a lot of folks were like, came in at 19 percent last quarter. Um, I think consensus was closer to 18 or, or so. So to me, it's just the it's not the fundamentals aren't really getting better right now. So you have to have a lot of faith that 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 the margins are going to drop and that you're going to see greater demand and they're going to have more pricing pressure. Or what if the wait power. times and delivery times, what if they're coming down because they're more efficient and they're better I don't think at manufacturing? So. I think it really is about demand. I, I don't know. I mean, like you tell me, I mean, you know, 
What do you think of the stock? I wonder here? too how much of that, right? So they're going to obviously um, getting more efficient, which is great for them. But also they have a lot more demand, right? I mean, you have all of the the regular car companies who are coming out with their electric vehicles, and it is going to put pressure on their customers as we look forward. And I think from a valuation standpoint, the problem with Tesla is when you look at the eight largest companies right now that have really been leading this full rally, they are the only one of them who has forward profit margins that have come down. All of the other ones are increasing. And so, you know, when you're trying to justify how high these valuations are, you have to expect there has to be a trough, which is what you're talking about. And if it's not there, I just don't think you can justify it at 70 times next year's earnings. Yeah. Guy? No, it, it all makes sense. I mean, you see the bull argument, you see the bear argument. Clearly, you know, I've been off sides in this in terms of trying to figure out where it should go. I think the fact that it is not doing anything in the after hours, it goes back to your earlier point. Good news. Now you wonder about the price action. It's had a historic run, clearly. We have seen this stock sell off. It would make sense, I think, for a number of different reasons for people to start taking some money off the table, uh, especially, you know, if the broader market were to ever give something back, Tesla is not going to be spared from that. So there's something here, I think, for both sides. All right. For more on Tesla's results, let's bring in our panel tonight. Tasha Keeney is Director of Investment Analysis and Institutional Strategies at ARK Invest. And Gene Munster is back. He is, of course, the managing partner at Deepwater Asset Management. Um, Tasha, I'll start off with you. Do you think that we've seen the lows for gross uh, margin X credits from Tesla? Yeah, you know, I, I think, uh, as Tesla said, I would expect credits to be, I mean, they already are a, a smaller picture than what they once were, and that's going to dwindle over time. You know, we've modeled uh, Tesla's uh, future gross margins based on rights law. We know that they, they are decreasing cost per vehicle, which is very important. Um, of course, I actually think the Cybertruck is going to help with that, um, and, and we know that, you know, the first vehicle was produced, so... Um, or is, is coming out. So so I, I think um, longer term, you know, we actually think gross margins could be above 50% if you look at the five-year forecast. So that's not just driven by electric vehicles, by the way, it's driven by AI, um, which you all touched on. So, you know, we think Tesla is going to be a leader in autonomy. We think they could take a very attractive take rate off of gross revenues, off of an autonomous ride hail service. And that's really going to be the story today. I think not enough people are talking about Tesla is, you know, it's one of the most important AI stocks to be talking about at this very moment. So the gross margins of 50% in five years, is that built on this notion that it is an AI company and that you need to have that robo-taxi part of the business in order to achieve that? If you took that out, I mean, is that basically going to, to, to in, not inflate, but make those margins look a lot better because the auto margin is in fact going to be, continue to be low? No, I think auto margins will also improve as, again, vehicle costs decline. Um, you know, we've modeled, rights law says that for every cumulative doubling in production, you get a corresponding reduction in price. If you look back over the past hundred years, um, this models what the auto industry has done extremely well. We think it'll be the same thing with electric vehicles with Tesla. Um, yes, I do think that autonomy longer term is going to be driving Tesla's margins. I, I think it's the, the most important thing that they are focused on and that they should be focused on. And hey, they're in a great position. I mean, if you look at what they reported, um, you know, miles in full self-driving are over 300 million cumulative to date. Compare that with uh, competitors like Tesla and Waymo that have autonomous projects. You know, that's in the low millions. Um, and Tesla's averaging over 2 million miles per day at this point in full self-driving, um, even more when you look at the total fleet, what's not in full self-driving. Um, so they have a data advantage that is un paralleled in this industry. And I think it would be extremely hard for anyone to catch up with them at this point.
Right. And, and Gene, I, I think that you're, you know, you're the same belief in terms of Tesla, the long term story. But right now we're very concerned, given where the price the stock is, about the short term story. Do you think that we will get indications tonight on this conference call that we are seeing the trough in margins at this point? And if we don't, uh, think, what happens to the stock? Uh, I think the CFO is going to outline the trajectory of margins going higher. I, I think that it's going to be this year. It might be in 2024, but I think he's going to talk about that uh, that kind of vector going higher. And I think that that is going to be enough. If I'm wrong and they say expect margins to be flattish for the next year, the stock is going to go down in the near term. So I think right now we have essentially a third of the results. I mean, this is all good. But as you said, Melissa, at the top of the seg- the top of this topic, is that this is all about the conference call and the commentary about margins. Uh, most investors don't have the patience to wait around for, for two, three years. They want to know what's going to happen near term. I would add another important topic that wasn't covered with the panel related to this in terms of what's the stock and doing, what could get it moving. Cybertruck's a big deal. F1, uh, the Ford F-150 is a huge deal. That is, uh, they sell about 600,000 of those a year. Ford is acknowledging that they are worried about this vehicle investors when they get on the road this is this is like nectar for uh, growth investors is to see a new uh, uh, type of technology that is getting out of there getting out into the the world um, so I think you're going to see that and I want to just uh, preface that with a piece I think the cyber truck's going to be late I think that what they said in their uh, their shareholder deck they said expect it in the back half of the year previously they had said the third quarter technically the third quarter is the back half but Based on that tweak to the language, I say it comes out in the end of the year. But uh, another month here, another month there, doesn't matter. They announced it in November of 2019. Investors have been waiting a long time, and I think the stock goes up when the Cybertruck comes out. Yeah. Uh, Tasha, just also to focus on the shorter term, I know you have a longer term view of the stock, but shorter term, you know, just looking through the investor deck quickly, short term uncertainty was a phrase that came up repeatedly throughout Tesla's commentary when it came to, you know, managing cash flow and just sort of managing its business. Did it strike you that Tesla's being a little bit more conservative than it normally is? You know, I, I think if you look back five years ago, yes, Tesla has gotten more conservative over time. And, you know, I, I would even say that made, I think investors likely welcome that. Um, you know, we see that certainly in their forecasts. They're, they're sticking to, you know, the long-term targets and the targets for this year, um, as Phil mentioned, that they laid out. Um, so I, I don't think that's a point of concern. And, you know, I, I'd agree with Gene. I think the Cybertruck is, is really crucial here. You know, we think it could be as mainstream as the Model Y if you look at Google Trends data. Um, so, you know, I, I think a lot of analysts are expecting that, that um, volumes, you know, won't be as high as, as they will be. I, I think it'll surprise. Um, and uh, again, we know it's a very innovative de- design, very cost effective to produce. Um, so I would look out for that this year. All right. Thank you, Tasha Keeney of ARC. We appreciate it. And Gene, let us know if you hear anything on that call. Gene Munster. Will do. Uh, Dan? I mean, listen, they make great bullish points. And, you know, the stock is up a lot in the last few months. While I don't believe that, you know, the fundamentals have gotten that much better. I don't I believe the demand picture um, has gotten that much better. So, you know, I, I'm clearly offsides or on the wrong side of this. And it's really interesting, though, in three months, how you could have been very much on the right side of this fundamental move. I don't think anybody could expect the sort of rally that this stock has had. And I'm not even talking from the January lows. I'm talking about since they printed that Q1 
one quarter and gave that Q2 guidance. So make no mistake about it. You better buy into full self-driving and autonomous taxis and AI and robots and all the other crap that they can come up with um, to justify this thing being a trillion dollar market cap. Because otherwise, don't forget. This stock sold off 75% from its all-time highs in late 2021, and that certainly means it could do it again. I'm not telling you it's going to happen again, but if a lot of things have to go right to justify where it is right now. I know we could buy the guess, but I wrote that 50% margin is, that's kind of a stunning number. Yeah. I don't know where that puts, it, where the puts the valuation off of that, but it seemed that, that seems... 50% in five aggressive. years. Aggressive. Yeah, that's yeah. a big climb. <laughs> Up next, is this market becoming addicted to artificial sweetening? Apple, the latest mega cap name to see a meaningful pop on the back of an AI headline. Do investors need to fear this frenzy? We'll debate that. Plus, the travel trade will go inside the numbers for United and Las Vegas Sands, both moving the after-hour session on the back of results. The conference call highlights minutes away. Fast Money's back in two. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. A new milestone for Apple closing at a record high. The stock popping after Bloomberg reported Apple's developing its own AI language model. Look at that two plus percent surge uh, in the intraday. That is for this massive company. We've seen similar surges in recent days on AI headlines from the likes of Microsoft and Alphabet. Dan, you flagged this. And I mean, what struck me is is the gain it can make on news that it's working on something that its competitors have already right. gotten out. So it's playing catch up and the stock is going to gain market cap on the back of that. And it's really funny. And, and <laughs> as it does that at a new all-time high, so to move a $3 trillion market cap company uh, to 3% or something on a headline, and then what we saw on the opposite, Microsoft sold off 2%. We saw Google Alphabet sell off 2% or something like that over the course of the day. So there's these direct relationships. And to me, they don't really matter. I mean, if the article, if you read it, that, that came out on Bloomberg, it's like Apple was caught flat-footed. Blah, blah. Right. You know, I mean, there's nothing in there. There's no there there. You know, And of course they're working on stuff. We've been talking about this for months. They've been embedding this stuff into large parts of, you know, like Siri. I mean, yeah. for, for a decade plus. So, you know, are they caught flat-footed on a chat bot that does generative essays in this? This is the moment we're in right now. This is what's exciting, okay? This is what, it, this is the only thing driving the stock market right now. And when we talked about this, we talked about it last night. And so, you know, if you're not there, then you're left out of the conversation and tech CEOs who have big valuations don't like to be left out of the, co- uh, the conversation. It looks like they're not being innovative and I'd also throw Salesforce. They they launched their their pricing of their enterprise chat stuff and that stock went up three percent today. So we're in a moment. Yeah. 
I mean, you're a believer in AI. I am a believer in AI. You're an AI. investor I did, in NVIDIA. I am so an investor you're, in you're NVIDIA. You're willing to go in here, but at some point, is it, yeah. is it pixie? I mean, we made fun of yes, it before. right, as pixie there dust. There is some pixie dust element. There feels, is, no question. I saw NVIDIA spiked right at the time of that Apple News and ended up selling off. You know, it's really, uh, I, we're in the very early stages, and I just come back again and again to the picks and shovel business. You don't need to pick the right one. You just need to pick that there is going to be tremendous demand for a long time. And if you, if you believe that, which I do, then this multiple isn't so crazy. But if AI is a driver for the biggest seven, eight stocks in the stock market at this point, Courtney, does that make you think that in, in assuming that there is a little bit of froth to this AI theme, mm -hmm. does that make you concerned about the fragility, perhaps, of the rally that we've built? Yeah, to a certain extent, because I think people are a little overexcited about artificial intelligence in the short term. I don't think they're, I, I agree with you. I think longer term, this may be a huge story and it's really going to add to productivity in the economy. Uh, but yes, I think some of these things are getting too frothy. If there's something that's going to pull back, it's probably going to be those seven to eight, eight companies that I think to a certain point, I just don't know how much you can justify that on. Yeah, just mentioning AI or just an article about a rumor coming out about AI they're doing. I don't think that justifies these higher valuations right now. Up next, shares of United and Las Vegas Sands on the move after reporting results of bringing the numbers from the quarters. Next plus off the chart, shares of Carvana now up a thousand percent. Yeah, that's right. A thousand percent since the start of the year, the latest surge and how the company hopes to put its near death experience in the rearview mirror. You're watching Fast Money Live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. Back right after this. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. Welcome back to Fast Money. Earnings alert on Las Vegas Sands. Shares are lower by almost 3% despite a top and bottom line beat. The company also reinstating its quarterly dividend. Contessa Brewer's got the details. Contessa. Yeah, remember Melissa Sheldon Adelson used to get on these earnings calls and say, yay, dividends. Well, his successor, Rob Goldstein, took great joy in repeating that just now. 20 cents a share starting in August, and the company indicated intentions for future buybacks. All right, the key earnings metric in casinos is adjusted property EBITDA, and Sands reached 88% of 2019 levels. In Macau, overall visitation to the destination still roughly only half pre-pandemic levels, but Sands occupancy is approaching 90%, and luxury retail there is pushing revenue in that segment to 93% of pre-pandemic numbers. On the call, company executives pointed to a sharp acceleration in June and a more profitable mix of customers coming for concerts and restaurants and non-gaming options. In Singapore, too, visitation still significantly off, and yet Marina Bay Sands occupancy is 97%. The average daily room rate, almost 600 bucks, and record revenue in its mass segment uh, for the quarter. So overall, Melissa, I would say this was bullish commentary from the company. All right, Contessa, thanks. Contessa Brewer. Mm -hmm. So, Guy, why, is, why down 3%? First of all, I mean, Contessa's doing an amazing job in this space. Why? Because I think the high end of the consensus was about 52 cents or so on EPS. 
and they came. I had them coming in at 41, but even if it's 44 cents, I think it was sort of uh, a run-up into earnings, people taking money off the table. And if Tim were here, this is what he would say. I would not run too far from Las Vegas Sands, nor would I run too far from Wynn. And I will echo Tim's sentiments. Um, The fact that they're reinstating the dividend, this was a very good quarter. You see the uptick in Macau growth. I mean, it's all right in front of them. And by the way, for for both Wynn and Las Vegas Sands, valuation is still okay. So I think these stocks are fine, Melms. All right, let's stick with travel here and get to the airlines. United Airlines shares higher after a beat on the top of the bottom line. Let's get back to Phil LeBeau, who's got the details on that. Phil. Hey, Melissa, just also listening to the Tesla conference call, which is uh, just underway. But let's talk about United. Heck of a report for the second quarter, beating the street at the top of the bottom line. The bottom line, 99 cents better than expected. Coming in at 504 or 503 a share, the street was expecting 404 with revenue coming in at 14.17 billion. Again, better than expected. The revenue, by the way, as you look at the numbers within the numbers, it was strong across the board for United. Revenue was up 14% for the second quarter with a pre-tax margin of 15.3%. Passenger revenue per available seat mile, what we call PRASM, up 2.2%. That's the demand that you're seeing out there, people who want to get on a flight, whether domestic or international. And they're also raising their full-year earnings guidance. It is now in the range of $11 to $12 a share. Previously, they were expecting $10 to $12 a share. Now they're saying, look, we expect the strength in the market to continue at least through the end of the year. That's one reason why they're raising their guidance to 11 to $12 a share. Lots to discuss with United CEO Scott Kirby tomorrow morning. Not only about the strong quarter, we'll talk a little bit about the issues, the operational issues, the weather and the schedule problems that they had at the end of June, right before the 4th of July. And their belief, United's belief, that the strength you're seeing in demand, Melissa, continues through the fall where it usually slows mm-hmm. down well into the holidays. Yeah, we heard that from the others. Uh, Phil, thank you. Phil LeBeau, and of course, Phil will keep us posted also on the Tesla conference call. Karen, what do you make of United? I mean, very impressive, especially on the heels of it's had a very nice run. Yeah. And, you know, kudos to Guy and Tim, who've really been on the airline trip, I guess. Um, You know, that Prasm, Tim would like that if he were here, that international travel is really impressive. And also, I think there might be a little bit of sandbagging. If they beat by a dollar on this quarter, and only raise the bottom end of the guidance and yet talk about the strength leaving the quarter, that makes me think that that guidance is conservative. So a lot to like. Yeah. Court. Yeah, and I think this is especially impressive considering they had all of the issues with the flight cancellations due to weather and the air traffic control issues. And even with that, you're just seeing how much demand there is towards travel. And I think this is really optimistic on a airlines in general. I think it's good for United and their sector, but also just the consumer in general. Clearly, they are not slowing down anytime soon. And that's what I hear when I hear these calls. All right, we're just getting some headlines out of the Tesla conference call. Uh, Tesla CEO Elon Musk saying that Q3 production will decrease slightly. That's all we have right now. The stock is down by just about three quarters of a percent. We'll continue to monitor this, bring you the latest. Still to come, big blue earnings out. The latest from that conference call minutes away. But next, Carvana's extreme makeover. The used car company completing a major debt deal in filing to sell a truckload of new shares. Is this comeback for real? We'll break it down, get the options action next. Fast Money, be right back.
Welcome back to Fast Money. The Carvana Nirvana continues. Shares jumping more than 40% on a deal to reduce its debt by $1.2 billion, also filing to sell 35 million Class A shares. The used car retailer's stock is up more than 1,000% this year alone. Carvana CEO sat down with Jim Cramer just moments ago. 22 came and we were positioned for another huge year of growth and car prices went up and interest rates went up and it got more expensive for our customers and we were overextended and we had a lot of work to do to catch back up. I think in uh, in Q1 of last year, we had negative $360 million of EBITDA, uh, which is not a good number. Uh, but but in the last 15 months, we've been able to turn that around. We had $155 million positive this quarter um, and that only happened because our customers love our model. Be sure to catch the full interview, top of the hour, on Mad Money. In the meantime, Karen, this is one yeah. that you uh, love to follow. I love to follow. I mean, you know, uh, when I called their demise a long time ago, that didn't, certainly didn't turn out to be right. I mean, there's a lot going on. The numbers were better. They're still not great. There were some one-offs there that they cited. However, what was really the issue here was the capital structure. The debt was overwhelming, and now with this ability to sell shares, here at this price, that solves that, as well as their ability to restructure and spread out the maturities. So what was an option, they now have a lot more time. Mm -hmm. The stock traded almost like an option, but now at $10 billion, it's no longer an option. This is a giant, giant victory lap, both for the Garcias for doing this and for the meme community, right. because they were true believers. Right. And this is really kind of an extraordinary turnaround, even though that I don't know that the business model is gets the stock here, but that doesn't matter. Early in Tesla's history, when they were really, you know, on the ropes in terms of yeah, their- leading money. They're, they're off the ropes for now, not forever necessarily, but they bought a lot of time, which is huge. Right. Um, the Carvana options pits buzzing today. One trader though thinks the stock could fall back to earth by the end of the year, so maybe the lifeline is short-lived. Mike Coe's got the action. Yeah, so Carvana was, uh, it saw more than three times its average daily options volume, and that made it the sixth busiest stock overall. That puts it ahead of names like Microsoft and Meta, Alphabet, Disney, and so on. So pretty extraordinary in terms of the volume. Now, a lot of that flow was very short-dated bullish call buying, including a purchase of nearly 80,000 of the 59 strike calls. Those traded for about two bucks. Those folks are obviously betting that the big spike we saw today could continue through the end of the week. But if you look at the institutional flow, we saw a lot of activity in the November 20 puts. We saw a block of 4,000 of those trade uh, early in the session and another block of 3,500 trade a little later. That was for about a buck and a half a contract. Now, to put things in perspective, the stock would need to fall nearly 70% for those to be profitable. I think what that buyer is doing is probably betting that the short squeeze, and I think that's what we're seeing right now, may end and you could see a reversal. A short squeeze, really? <laughs> I say that sarcastically. Um, Guy, but, you know, in the meantime, it has this lifeline and the economy could, you know, improve within this time frame. Yes. In terms yes. of the used car and picture. Listen, I could, I could play third base for the Yankees given their problem <laughs> at the position. That, it's not, not going to happen. Listen, the fundamentals of the company were deteriorating. There's a reason why the stock had a 300 handle, then a three handle. I mean, it was a declining business. And I would think, you know, Karen just alluded to it. I don't think the business has improved. Maybe the structure of their company in terms of debt and were able to buy themselves some time has improved. And shorts are getting squeezed, to Mike's point just now. And you see what happens. So we're back to having these conversations. At some point, though, the fundamentals of the company have to line up with the underlying share price. And we will get there 
but we're clearly, I mean, look in the after hours. I think it's north of 62 now, so we're not there yet. All right. Mike Coe, thank you. For more Options Action, tune into the full show. That is Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Up next, it's old school tech time. Shares of IBM fractionally lower after big blue beats on earnings but misses on revenue. will dial up, log on, and debate that when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. We do have some headlines coming out of that Tesla conference call. Let's circle back to a Fast Money friend, Gene Munster, who has them. Elon Musk is actually talking. He's talking about AI spending, too. Yeah, that is uh, not surprising. He's triple downing on their initiatives around full self-driving in two ways, Melissa. First, he said that they will have a 100x increase in the number of miles that will feed their FSD model by the end of 2024. That is uh, staggering. He followed that up by saying they're in discussions with another automotive OEM to license the FSD technology. I had to double take that when I heard it. Uh, that's been speculated. I checked the stock. It hadn't changed much. I would have expected the stock to have moved up on that. So that was the biggest uh, takeaway. We haven't got the all-important commentary on the margins. And we did get some commentary about that $1.8 million Uh, delivery number for the full year. I said I was a little disappointed, wish that number would have bumped up after they had such a strong June quarter. Now we know why they're doing a retooling in some of their manufacturing. It's likely related to Model Y Highlander. This is the upgrade that we've been waiting for for a long time. So that's going to have a negative impact on some of the production and likely deliveries in the September quarter. They'll pick it up again in December. But those have been the takeaways. So licensing full self-driving software to an OEM, Gene, I mean, that's potentially recurring revenue, but what's the bigger picture here in terms of having more autos out there using Tesla software? Well, the bigger picture is, I mean, this could change the trajectory of the the, the stock, and it really comes down to the margin profile. And this has been orbiting so long around the Tesla investment case and hasn't landed the whole FSD uh, piece. It has been uh, uh, muddled in uh, regulatory and technology challenges. And so if they could uh, uh, get that focused and and set aside and get it out into the marketplace, it could be uh, massive. And not just for investors, I think for humans too. Elon said on the call, they're 10x safer than a typical car. I believe that humans are not good drivers. They're mostly distracted. And so I think this is a big deal for uh, investors, uh, specifically around the margin opportunity uh, with FSD. Um, We're also getting one headline, Gene, about the 4680 cell production. It increased by 80% in Q2 over Q1. Was that expected? Yes, it's coming off of almost a a zero base, so it should be growing uh, leaps and bounds. But uh, 4680 is important because that means that you're going to get longer range for paying less for the car. That's one of the big competitive advantages that Tesla has had is that value uh, per range. And that is one of the sticking points for a lot of people for going electric is the range anxiety. And so I think FSDs are are the 4680 is an important piece. It's important to that lower priced robo taxi. Elon's talked about it on the call here. He said that their manufacturing is going to be different than they've ever manufactured a car. I'm excited to see what that means. This is going to be in Monterey, Mexico. Uh, But I think the 4680 is really, it's a boring piece to this, but it is fundamental to Tesla continuing to maintain its lead against the traditional automakers. 
All right, Gene, thanks. As we watch Tesla shares dip uh, down 1% in the after hours. Gene Munster. We're also watching shares of Netflix trading near after hours lows. That conference call kicks off in just about 10 minutes' time. We're down by 6.2%. Remember, better than expected ads. A disappointment on the revenues as well as Q3 guide came in a little bit light. Coming up, um, IBM on the move after reporting results to bring the numbers next. Fast Money's back in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. Earnings alert on IBM. Shares are lower after reporting a mixed quarter. EPS coming in above estimates, though. Revenue is falling short of expectations. Christina Parts-Nevelis is the latest. Christina. Well, revenue came in, I'd like to say, a little light for the second quarter in a row. But I spoke with IBM CFO Jim Cavanaugh earlier, and he told me the miss is entirely due to currency fluctuations. On the earnings call, which is still underway right now, management said their infrastructure business was also down 14% in the quarter and had a, quote, as expected impact to IBM's overall revenue growth over the quarter, of course, due to cyclicality. But the company did reaffirm its full year revenue guidance and free cash flow of $10.5 billion. I also asked Kavanaugh about the product mix in the second half. He said he expects software to be the main driver, driven first by its Red Hat subsidiary, think uh, hybrid cloud products, which grew actually 11% year over year in Q2, and then by a new $4.6 billion acquisition of Aptio. It's a software to manage IT spend. They have a lot riding on this, but that deal still hasn't closed. And then you had Kavanaugh, like IBM CEO Arvind Krishna, both saying on the call they believe that both hybrid cloud and their AI strategy will help them hit their revenue goals. But IBM just launched their AI B2B application called Watson. That was just last week. So the financial benefits will take time to settle in. And when asked about AI monetization on the call, IBM CEO said they don't want to quantify it yet. Didn't they get the memo? <laughs> Christina, thank you, Christina. <laughs> they mentioned AI many, many times, so they got that not, memo. Yeah, not, not really helping the stock right now. Christina, thanks. Uh, down by less than a percent here. Dan, you know, our friend Max Myers points out that back in 1980, IBM was the apple of its day. It was 7% of the S&P 500. Now look at it. Max is a genius. Uh, you know, Watson, <laughs> I think IBM, they pull out Watson whenever there's a craze, whether it was chess <laughs> in the 90s, it was blockchain, it was metaverse. That's Watson. That's their Watson. thing. That's, yeah. I don't know. I mean, listen, uh, it doesn't seem like any of their businesses are particularly doing that well, and they seem to be chasing a lot. All right. Up next, final trades. Stay with Delta Airlines, sister. Courtney. Uh, VA, take a look at Europe with the dollar weakening here. Karen. Yes, CVS. I think this one has bottomed very low PE still, lots of upside. Dan. Yeah, if you're not one of these meme people, you know, these meme stock traders, I wouldn't be chasing this Carvana. <laughs> By the way, Carvana CEO interview with Jim Cramer coming up at the top of the hour. That does it for us here on Fast Money. Thanks for watching. Stay tuned. Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. All opinions expressed by the Fast Money participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Fast Money participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Fast Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Fast Money Disclaimer.
From a flat tire in the city to a dead battery on a distant drive, AAA is partnering with T-Mobile for Business to accelerate response times and get more drivers back on the road fast. Our nationwide connectivity powers location telematics, so AAA's fleet can find stranded drivers quickly while being fully equipped with the in-vehicle tools to have answers when they get there. This is elevating the member experience. This is AAA with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.